0: Welcome to Creek Over Coffee. I'm your host, Keith Harrison, and each episode I speak to a fellow teacher from Cherry Creek High School in Colorado about their classroom strategies and experiences. Today we have Tim Libby from the Fine Arts Department. Tim, thanks for being on
1: the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited. Appreciate it. It's really neat. Yeah.
0: How are things going?
1: Well, they're going very well, actually. Uh, Way better than I expected going into it, you know, when we were in the planning stages in the summertime, um, trying to wrap our heads around, you know, what band was going to look like in this environment and uh, if it it would even be possible. You know, that was the big question, you know, for all for all music. um, So are we going to be able to do this? So um, I was lucky uh, to be on the the committee that the district put together for coming up with the protocols and plans of how to. That's great how we could start so um
0: so before we, we forget about that and are going to other things um how are the schools then handling things are, are they all doing similar things
1: we're, to you? yeah we're all doing the, the same thing okay. um there might be some variations depending on you know individual needs of a community at a particular school but we're all following the same protocols okay. um and the same procedures for having band as safe as possible. Right. Can you explain some of those? Sure. Uh, <laughs> we've mo- we all have modified our masks, so we have a band mask. And all of these recommendations come from a study that was done through uh, University of Colorado Boulder and Clemson University and the American School Band Directors Association. Um, they, they call it the aerosol study. That's what we call it. And they, they measured the aerosol rates coming from instruments and from the musicians, and um, for every different instrument to determine how far away you should sit or what, you know, what you should do to your instrument to make it safe. So uh, they recommend six feet of space between every musician, like they're in the center of a six foot box. And so we're in my room now, so you can see we measured that out and it looks like a grid. Right. We have uh, band masks, so it's basically a surgical mask that you just cut a slit for the in the middle for the mouthpiece to go into so that your face is covered while you're playing the instrument to limit uh, the, the aerosols coming from the musician. And then we have uh, bell covers on all of the instruments uh, that cover the end of the instrument to keep uh, a very low aerosol rate coming from that. And that added to the space um, makes it pretty safe, I think. So. How does that
0: affect the sound?
1: Um, on the brass instruments, it muffles the sound a little bit, um, but it's it's not as drastic as I thought it would be. Um, when we first started. Um, so in some ways it kind of warms up the sound a little bit, yeah. which is kind of nice. Now woodwinds, um, you know, their fingers cover the holes of the mm-hmm. instrument. And then the, the bell, they cover the bell, but the bell only comes into play when they play their lowest notes. And so we have them covered anyway, just, just for safety. Uh, the end of the flute has a little flute sock on it. And then the flute players wear a shield. Uh, it's, a, it's a modified face shield, that attaches to the flute itself, oh, wow. uh, to yeah. so they're not just directly blowing yeah. air out into the room. So cool. um, I think with all of those modifications, we've done quite well. So Great. yeah,
0: one of the, the, the problems that sprang to mind when I was thinking about this especially co voting is is what if you have a huge imbalance in what instruments are being played by the students in the classroom at a given time, right? So how is, yes, how is
1: that? well it's been a challenge. That has been the most challenging thing, um, especially with the more advanced groups. Um, so Dividing up by alphabet is not ideal. Now, thankfully, um, we had the opportunity here at Creek to offer to some students to the potential switching cohorts to try to even things out. It didn't work out perfectly, but in a few key areas, we were able to have some kids switch cohorts so that uh, the groups, both cohorts, are relatively well balanced. Um, it's not ideal by any stretch, but and then we had some kids that volunteered to switch instruments to to kind of balance things out. So. In the B cohort, we didn't have any tuba player in, in wind ensemble. So one of the trombone players said, well, I'll play tuba just for this because, as he put it, I'd rather uh, play tuba in a band than play trombone in a band with no tuba in it. Huh. You know, So he was willing to switch, which is great. Um, so we've kind of got things balanced out. And it's, it's, to be honest with you, um, it's great to be making music together in person. Um, it's very... Soul filling and, sure. and refreshing, and so the lack of good instrumentation has kind of slipped to the the back burner for me, you know, because I I just um, it's the it's being together making music is more important than having the perfect sounds, you know what I mean? Sure. So,
0: yeah. Um, let's talk a bit about just band in general, not necessarily during these these quote unquote difficult times. Sure. And one of the questions I have is is what kind of balance do you strike between kids being here just to kind of learn the instrument versus preparing for performance?
1: Oh, that's that's an interesting question. Um, At the beginning of my career, when I first started teaching band, it was all about the performance. And so I was very bad with the balance between actually education, teaching the kids to play the proper fundamentals and things. And I was just trying to get music ready to perform all the time and the the more years I've taught, the more I've realized it's important to spend more time teaching them the actual basics of playing and reading music and interpreting music and and starting from there and then then that those skills gained there will in turn result in a better performance so that's on me uh, to kind of organize the class in in a way such that. That we can we can have a balance, but it's it's a, it's always a battle because if there's a a performance coming up, you know, and you need to get ready for that, you might forego some of the fundamental work and just you know try to get through to make sure that performance is is acceptable.
0: What what kind of range of, of skills scales do you have in the band, and is that is that tricky to handle?
1: That is that's one of the things that is tricky. Um, but luckily, we're fortunate here at Creek, we have four concert bands, and each one is a different level. So the incoming freshmen, the majority of them are in the concert band, and that is the rehearsal of the 47 minutes. We probably spend 30 of it just working on basic fundamentals and getting their skills going. And then as the skill level increases, that amount of time changes. So we we are able to put the kids in a class based on their ability. Um, but within each class, there is also a wide range of abilities. So, um, again, uh, we're so fortunate. Sarah Wines and I team teach the freshman band and the predominantly sophomore band. So we're able to split up and give some individual and small group instruction to kids that need a little more fundamental work. Right. So that's that's kind of how we attack that. But. This challenge.
0: I know Simon, my son, in, in his orchestra at campus, his teacher will sometimes put them in just little ensembles. Yeah. They do you ever do anything like
1: that? We do our third, for the third quarter, in a normal year, quote-unquote normal mm-hmm. year, we do a chamber, uh, chamber music ensemble. And in the top three classes, uh, we don't do it with the freshmen because we just really focus on that skill development at, at that point. But um, we divide them all into small ensembles, groups of three to six and um they we two days a week they split into their small ensembles and they work together and they're they're self-taught not you know self-directed we give them the music and put them in a room and tell them what the expectations are but it's up to them to kind of prepare the piece and interpret the piece and um it's, it's great for them because uh, they kind of have to put their teacher hat on and, right. uh, you know, learn the rhythms and help each other learn the music. And we do guide them and help them, but uh, we want, want it to be a student-focused activity. And then it culminates at the end of the third quarter with them performing for the rest of the class um, and for a clinician who uh, gives them like a solo and ensemble contest, gives them a rating and feedback form. We, we hire people to come in and listen to them. And then uh, the clinicians pick the the two top ensembles from each class, and they perform at the March concert. So we have a small ensembles concert in March. So, yeah, a lot of growth takes place there for them.
0: Does composition play a role in
1: band at all? Not really. Uh, That's the one area of the state standard where it's difficult in an ensemble class like band to to kind of go after the composition piece. Um, In the jazz band classes... That's when they're improvising and making up their own melodies. Uh, That's kind of where we talk about the composition, like the structure of the piece and the harmonic progression and how you figure that out. And some some of the students, the more advanced ones, have been writing things on their own. So and they, you know, it's neat to see. But in the class, it's it's difficult. Do
0: you have uh, pieces that a a student has kind of volunteered and said, "Hey, I have to write
1: this in my space"? Yep. Uh, last spring, one of the students wrote a jazz band piece that we read through in class. And a few years ago, I actually did have a student. Um, I've had more than one, but this one was very successful. He he uh, got a degree at CU in in composition. And when he was a senior in high school, he did write a jazz band piece that we actually performed at the state convention when we got invited to do that. So, yeah, it was pretty awesome. So I'm um, talking about uh,
0: performances. Uh, you know, I know you guys have, have concerts here at the school. Um, but what, what? where else do you go, um, usually, uh, and you know, sure. how much outside of school uh, you know, of activities like that do
1: you do? Sure. We like to take—the um, Colorado Bandmasters Association has a state concert band festival in the spring, and in order to qualify for that, you have to go to a, a regional in the winter. And uh, so those are two really big things with our top two bands that we do. We take them to those festivals. Um, so we work up literature specifically for that regional festival and then another set of literature if we qualify to go to state. So um, normally the top two bands at Cherry Creek uh, qualify for state. So it's really an honor to get to do that. Um, we get to play at um, CSU is where they hold the state festival in their performing arts center there, which is incredible. So.
0: Yeah. And
1: you know the band playing football games, is that no baby as well? Yes, it is. Uh, me and uh, Sarah Wines, we uh, get the band ready. Now, the marching band, um, th- the Colorado Bandmasters Association has uh, its own competition where we compete against other bands for a state championship. Um, there are independent shows that lead into the state qualifier, that lead into the state championship weekend, and we participate in that, and that is the bulk of what we do. And then In turn, for the home football games, um, we'll play at those as well. And that's just kind of like a fun pet band kind of school spirit scenario. The students love playing at the football games and being part of that environment. It's really fun. So, yeah, yeah, it's a busy time in the fall normally. uh, Now, we're we're still trying to put together how we can be at the football games. And the first one is this Friday, and we're trying to make it happen, but we'll see how it goes. (laughs)
0: Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Are they, do you know if they're allowing spectators in the whole game? My
1: understanding is that um, they are going to allow a limited number of spectators. I haven't seen um, how they plan on deciding who that will be. I would assume it would be the parents of the players' uh, priority. You know, That would make sense to me. Um, and then beyond that, I'm not sure exactly how they're determining it. But I know they were working with Tri-County Health to establish a um, a capacity for Stuttler Bowl to see how many people they could have in there and how they were going to spread them out, and you know what an undertaking to try to make that happen.
0: <laughs> um, online learning for bands for a set.
1: You know that that has actually been an opportunity to delve into some of the things that we don't really have time to do in our forty-seven minute period. Uh, we did um, last spring. We did a lot of music history and we did uh, a lot of music theory and we used software programs to do that, and some sight reading, so um, that's been an opportunity for kids to develop their individual skills at home, especially when it comes to rhythm reading and understanding how music is put together. We had access to a really neat program called, um, what was it called? Oh, it it was a music theory platform, and it had like six different levels, and you could start from the very basic and work your way all the way up to some advanced composition techniques. And a lot of students really like that. And I can't believe I'm forgetting what the name of that software was. But it was too expensive. We couldn't uh, <laughs> couldn't maintain right. the subscription. We're using other software instead. So anyway, that's the online learning, Is there's an element of being a musician where you have to spend some time alone on, on your craft and um, your know, individual practice and kind of figuring out what, what you need to work on. And that's what we're trying to help guide the students through when they're at home doing assignments, is giving them things that's gonna, that are going to help them develop their own skills. So when they come back for their two days in class, their musical skills are stronger. And uh, so it is, it's been interesting. I wish it were only one day uh, a week instead of three that they were at home. Um, but, you know, in a perfect world, uh, you know, we'd have them doing that, that individual thing one day a week and then be together so we can help guide them through it. But it's going okay. You know, it's not perfect for any of us, but we're all making do. Of course. Yeah.
0: I've heard quite a few teachers volunteer certain things that they they're trying to see or that they actually realize are, are really beneficial for their students, and they, they probably will keep even when yeah. school's back to normal. There's anything like that that's maybe gone on lessons elsewhere that, that you've spotted.
1: Yes. Well, mm-hmm. our use of Schoology has expanded a ton for for individual performance assessments. That will continue for sure because that's been a really good way for a, a kid to. Submit their own playing in a non-pressure situation where they know that only I'm going to hear it, and I can give feedback specific to the student. That's going to stay. Um, I, uh, we did last spring. We had this um, choice board for our assignments, which had a on one side was um, assignments they could complete if they didn't have an instrument at home or couldn't play an instrument at home, and that was like analyzing a movie soundtrack or. Um, you know listening to some music and answering some questions about it things like that and the other side was if you did have your instrument at home you could do the following and I liked and the students really liked the feedback we got was they loved having the option of a non-playing you know assignment and so that that will stick too that's been really neat so
0: thanks Tim I think that's all I have
1: that's great well thanks for having me I'm happy to be on the podcast it's really cool (laughs) I love that you're doing this